Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the Wednesday Bible Study. We are thankful that you are here. We come to you weekly. Uh, the weeks that we are not here are rare. Uh, Most every Wednesday, uh, you can watch this live at noon Central Time, 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, We get an archive for you pretty soon after that. And then the archive is available on our YouTube and also on our podcast channels. So I'm going to open us up uh, in a word of prayer. I'll tell you some things that are going on briefly uh, with themanchurch.com. And we will be jumping in today, our continued study, word for word, through the book of Genesis. Today we'll be in Genesis chapter 27. Lord, thank you for today. May your word uh, pierce our hearts. Prepare every heart, no matter where they are, to, uh, to hear what you have to say today, for us to glean and learn what you intend to teach. Uh, you, Lord, are a perfect teacher, uh, and we are imperfect people in, in dire need uh, of your wisdom and discernment through your powerful and Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. So uh, this uh, Bible study has been around for a long time, if you're, if you're new. Um, we started in uh, March 1, 2020, something called themanchurch.com. Themanchurch.com, uh, we are a resource for you to, to implement a full strategy to reach and disciple the men of your church or your community. Uh, if you would like to know more about what we offer, we offer curriculum, uh, we offer um, uh, resources. Uh, we offer speakers and teachers. Uh, we have a complete discipleship strategy uh, that you can plug in easily by going to themanchurch.com. We're, we're right around church 500, 501, 2, somewhere in there, uh, all across the country. And we'd love for you to be part of what we're doing. If you'd like to know some of the churches uh, that might be near you, um, part of our strategy feature is, feature is features services where men uh, come uh, come together we got that from Exodus 34 23 uh, and also from Deuteronomy 16 16 when God told Moses three times a year bring me the men so we do see a biblical precedent that there are times that men uh, should come away from their wives and children and stand before God to be spoken to uh, by God's teacher uh, in a tone, in a way that, that men respond. Men and women are equal, no question about that, but they are distinctly different. And you can never reach and disciple a man if you continue to speak to him like he's a woman or a child. So our uh, discipleship strategy is designed to reach and disciple men actually the way God made them. Uh, so if we could help you in any way, let us know. You want to know where some services are going on? So maybe you can kick the tires or maybe uh, and, and get involved in a strategy near you. Uh, coming up this week, uh, Crossroads Church in Warrior, Alabama. If you're in Alabama and you're around the Birmingham area, uh, that's not far north of Birmingham. Uh, they've been doing our strategy. They're now in year two, and Kevin Derryberry from our team will be there. He has an incredible testimony. He'll be speaking to the men, and then you'll get an opportunity to plug into one of our curriculum uh, that they'll be offering in their small groups. I will be traveling to uh, Crestview, Florida. They're doing the men's discipleship strategy. They're still still in year one, but I'll be there on August the 6th at Crestview, 
that's First Baptist Church if you'd like to join us. Also, August the 12th, uh, Old Friendship Baptist Church, they are rolling through our strategy. Uh, this is uh, their third man church, I believe. Rich Wingo will be there. It's in Finger, Tennessee, Henderson, Tennessee, right in that area. Old Friendship Baptist Church, look for Rich Wingo there on August the 12th. That one does have a ticket price, and they need to RS- you to RSVP so they know how much food to have. Uh, coming up uh, August 21st, uh, they just started in LaGrange, Georgia. They've started the curriculum, but they haven't had a gathering yet. I'll be there for their first man church, First Baptist Church on the Square in LaGrange, Georgia, coming up on August the 21st. There's plenty more going on this fall, and you can find those by going to themanchurch.com and clicking on events. All right, so if you have your Bible, let's turn to Genesis 27. Now, before we start Genesis 27, I want to make you aware that if you have a dysfunctional family, you're going to feel much better about your family today. Uh, We are about to walk into a very dysfunctional family uh, in Genesis 27, and and what we need to learn, those of you that are in the room, uh, that this is all men, and I know women and uh, men uh, watch it or listen to it around the country, but in the room, uh, it is a men's Bible study. If you are here in the room and you are a father, uh, you are a husband, or you would like to be a father and you would like to be a husband uh, in the future, you have lots to learn today. Uh, we have much, much to learn. Uh, because I, I will tell you, study in Genesis 27, um, I was familiar with what's going on here, but I never really there, – there, there's no deeper dive like teaching. Uh, I don't know that this Bible study has served anyone else, but it has served me. Uh, because the, my growth and, and grasp of, of, of Scripture, this, this has done more to grow me than anything else I've ever done, and that is to teach the Word of God, to have to prepare. And you get in and you see things that you never really had, have seen before. Uh, and I will tell you one of the things is I always looked at this, that, that the problem were all the different people in the family, but what you're going to find out today is something that is as old as time. The real problem is at the heart of the family, and that's dad. Dad and husband is the problem, and it all flows from him. Uh, everybody and the way they behave all comes from his example, uh, and we'll look at that, uh, and, and I speak, of course, of Isaac. Uh, George Santaya uh, Anna, uh, I didn't know him, but he had a quote that was in one of the commentaries I looked at, one of nature's masterpieces. That's what he calls the family. Well, uh, Warren uh, Wiersbe, who is uh, one of our commentators today, he said, well, if, if the family is nature's masterpiece, he said many of these masterpieces have become nothing but pieces because they have forgotten the master. Uh, and I thought that was a great statement. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going to start off uh, in verses 1 through 5, and what we're going to discover in, in verses 1 through 5 is the decline of Isaac. Isaac's health is is waning. Uh, he is getting near death. Uh, he his his uh, faculties and everything he sh- seems to still have. You'll see his eyesight is all but gone, uh, and he is getting close to the end of his life. So let's look at first at uh, these first five verses. When Isaac was old, so the Bible doesn't pull any punches there. He tells us he's old. And if the Bible says somebody's old, they must really be old, okay, especially in the Old Testament. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that's that's letting us know, Moses is letting us know that he can't see very well, uh, so that he could not see, 
he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death, but then take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. All right, so in, in, in make a note of verse 5 here too, and that will take us into the second part after we finish these first four verses. Now Rebecca, Isaac's wife, was listening, and I would underline listening, when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and, and bring it. So make a note of that. Got a conversation going on between Isaac's favorite son, Esau. He's a man's man. This is who Isaac likes the best. Okay. Um, now there's a problem with that because God has already told Isaac and Rebekah uh, that he will not uh, put the blessing on Esau. He's going to put it on the younger, meaning the twin that came out second, and that's who he's going to work his covenant through. It will not be through Esau. So the blessing according to God, and this is the note that I have missed for years, but let's not miss it today. God has said to Isaac, the blessing is to be given to Jacob, not to Esau. Keep in mind, what is Isaac saying right here? I'm going to give it to Esau. So Isaac is in disobedience right out of the gate, and that's the part that I've always missed. I, you know, we're going to get into the deception of Jacob and what Rebecca does and all this, but this is all being caused because Isaac, first of all, is just simply not doing what God said to do. He's picked his favorite, but that's not what God said to do. Uh, and you also find out some other things about Isaac here. We see that I remember my father, who I, I love dearly, and my daddy is not a perfect man, never has been a perfect man, but there's things he's taught me. Uh, that have served me so well. And one of them is said, he said, always be careful of I people. Talking about the pronoun, I. Always be leery of people who say I this, I that, I this, me, I, I, I. He says, stay away from these people. Well, as you notice, what is Isaac saying? Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Hunt for me, prepare for me, the things that I love. I, I, me, me. I want to be taking out. Give me what I want. Well, he's also basically telling God that. Give me the air that I want. That's who I want to put the blessing on. I don't, you know, Jacob, he's not really like me. He's a little soft for me. I, I like the I like I like the hunting, fishing, manly man of Esau. You're talking about the one that's married two Hittite women? who's married pagan women and hated his birthright, that's who you want? Yeah, because I, I, but, but see, I'm not paying attention to his sin. I like all the worldly things about him. He's the one that at the Little League field, he's the one that is the best player. He, he's the one that's well-respected by the world because he makes me look good as a dad. Jacob, eh, he's kind of a mama's boy. So this is daddy's favorite. So that's who I'm going to give the blessing to. But God has just said that's not who gets the blessing. And you'll see that that, that one mistake is going to haunt this situation. And, and so here we go. So let's look at this. Um, um, you're, you're seeing again 
a man who's getting near the end of his death. We did an entire study in here. If you want to go back and check the archives, you can get the archives at BurgessMinistries.com by clicking on Listen, or you can go to this YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube and look through the the, the playlist, and you may have an opportunity to find it as well. <clears throat> but we did, um, God Rest His Soul, the, the book by Steve Farrar called Finishing Strong. And we discovered pretty quick in that book, didn't we, most people don't finish strong. And then remember Steve asked us the very difficult question, so what makes you think you will? Remember he says it looks like the percentages of men who finish strong in the Bible is two out of 12. And I remember the convicting words of Steve, God rest his soul, when he said, but here's the thing I don't get. Why do you think you're one of the two? So you're not one of the ten? What makes you say that? And it was very challenging, wasn't it? Because I know everybody in here right now and everybody watching, everybody listening, saying, well, I'm going to finish strong. Are you? Most don't. So what makes you think you're going to finish strong? Based on what? Are you living your life? Am I living my life? That where somebody would say, the way Burgess lives his life, I think he's going to finish strong. Or would somebody say, well, he says he's going to finish strong, but I don't see any evidence of it. I don't. I guess he's going to make some turn here at some point, uh, but he's just he's just declaring he's going to finish strong. He doesn't look like he's going to finish strong because it's a big difference, isn't it? I can I can profess all kinds of things, but but do you see the evidence of it? And here we don't see it, do we? We see him laying here. I mean, can't see. He's about to die, and he and he's really worried about what's he going to eat. You know what he's telling us? I love to eat. That's my biggest concern today. Not that I'm going to finish and do what God told me to do. I just want something to eat. My stomach is my God. I would rather serve my stomach right now than to serve God. I've been that guy. I've been that guy. So I'm not that guy anymore, but I've been that guy. So what are some of the sins that, that we see? Because we know that great beginnings do not equal great finishes, do they? They don't. I've seen a lot of people start out great, but you don't see many people finish. So here's some of the things. First of all, we talked about one of them. Sin number one from Isaac, he put himself before the Lord. Now, now Abraham wanted to be sure before he died that he found for Jacob a wife. He wanted to be sure of that, okay? And, I mean, Isaac, a wife. He wanted Before Abraham died, his daddy said, I know I'm about to go, so I got to get him the right wife because I know God's promise through Isaac. David made plans what? I know I'm about to die. I know I don't get to build the temple because I've I've got too much blood on me. God's told me that. So I'm not going to get to build the temple, but I know my son will, so I'm going to put the plans for the temple together before I die. Okay? And then Paul, I know I'm about to die, Timothy. They're about to pour me out. God's got me out of jail a few times before this. I'm not coming out this time. My time's coming to an end, but you know what? I'm going to prepare you to take the ministry. Right? See, that's what these three men did. Isaac, I'm hungry. I want want something to eat. That's all I want. I'm not preparing Jacob. Matter of fact, I'm going to give the blessing to Esau. I like him better. So, This is a man who says the day of my death, I don't know when it is, but it's drawing near. Can you imagine 
your daddy is sitting there and he's he's part of the covenant of God and you're leaning in. He says, you know, my day is, I don't know when it is, but you know, I'm deteriorating. I'm going out. Dad, dad, what do you want? Could you give me that meal I like? Okay, so we're not planning what we're doing next. No, I'm just hungry. I want, I want something to eat. So the, I, I, this was a great quote that came from Warren uh, Wearsby. Listen to this. The end of life reveals the ends of life. That's good. The end of life reveals the ends of life. Some examples. P.T. Barnum, you know what his final words on earth were? What were the receipts today? That's the last thing we hear from P.T. Barnum on earth. Uh, Napoleon, you know what his last words were? Jim, you probably know this. Army, head of army. He's screaming about war as he dies. Henry David uh, Thoreau, the uh, you know the naturalist, the last two things he says on earth is moose and Indian. So what do you find of these men as they die? What are they shouting about? Who they are. That, that's who they are. So the end of life always reveals the ends of life. I love that. Convicting, but I love it. Second sin, uh, he disobeyed God's command. We just talked about this. He knows Jacob is to receive the blessing, Yes, he wants. To, yet he wants to give it to Esau. Esau has said, he's on record of saying, I despise my birthright. And, and listen to this about how our, our sons reflect us. What caused Esau to hate his birthright? What did he want? Something to eat. For stew. Sounds like his daddy, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like his daddy. I can know a lot about a man by just simply meeting his son. And so um, uh, also what? He married heathen women. He isn't even a man of God. <laughs> so that that's the thing that has to hit us, men. And, and look, this has been a process for me as well, okay? Is it true? Don't just say it. Is it true that you and I will consider ourselves, if you've been blessed with children, especially sons, do you and I honestly consider ourselves successful as daddies if for one standard that our children love Jesus? Now don't just I know you I know you're supposed to say that. Now, that may mean they love Jesus, but they're not any good at sports. They may love Jesus, and they're not popular or pretty. They may love Jesus and not have very many friends. They may love Jesus and not be celebrated by the world. They may love Jesus and not be all that successful by the world's standards. They may not be great students. They may not hold a prestigious job that everybody, you can't wait to tell them, well, you know what my son does, don't you? Does he love Jesus? Oh, I don't really know, but, you know, he's very successful. And doesn't that make me look good? Have you ever seen my son play ball? Is he worth a darn as a man of God? I mean, but have you ever seen him play ball? One of the best on the team, and probably got that from me. I know men that work tirelessly to make sure that their sons are good at something that ain't ever going to even matter when they stand before God. 
and they spend no time on preparing that son to stand before God. Now, he can hit the ball, but he don't love Jesus. And think about how much time you spend teaching them this kind of stuff. He can really, really hunt, but he doesn't love Jesus. He can really catch fish, but he doesn't know Jesus. He's really, really smart. He makes great grades, but he don't love Jesus. Man, he's cunning. Have you seen what he's done with his business? How successful he's been? But he doesn't love Jesus. And this is Isaac saying, I know that you hate your birthright. I know you marry heathen women. I know that you have rejected the one and only living God. But, man, you're cool. And you and I really relate. Jacob ain't never shot anything. He's kind of weak looking, and you're big and strong and hairy, and, man, you know how to hunt. You're a man's man. But he wasn't worth two cents. But Isaac doesn't care. This is his favorite. Which shows you that that Isaac was acting like the world because if, if you, you know, it goes back to, do you remember when Jesse brought all of his sons out? Gosh, I can't remember the son's name. I wish I could remember his name because it ties into this. So he don't even go get David because David's not impressive yet. David's out there with the sheep. He's the baby. And you remember he walked in, his oldest son, and do you remember that Samuel said, well, this must be him? What was his name? But anyway, and he walks him around. He says, big, strong, handsome. This must be him because what? He looks like the real deal. And God says, this is not him. And Jesse looks, looks around, and he says, well, all I got left is David. Well, go get David. See, Jesse didn't think to bring David in. You know why? David wasn't impressive. He goes on to be impressive, but at this point, this son's the impressive one. He's the big, tall, strong, handsome one. Samuel even said, now this looks like a king. But he wasn't. It was David. So, so we got to be real careful that, that all that matters to us is that our legacy produces devout followers of Jesus, and if that's not good enough for the world, who cares? Because how does God see us, not how does the world see us? Who are we trying to impress with how we raise our children? So the next thing is the, the sin that he committed, what? He lived by feelings. He's blind. He, he can't even see right now. He should be leaning on his faith in God. He needs guidance now more than ever, but he doesn't. He's, he, his feelings is what he goes with, his feelings. There's an um, there's a Ernest Hemingway book um, called Death in the Afternoon. Have you ever read this? It was, it was one of his classics. But there was a quote in Ernest Hemingway's book, Death in the Afternoon, and, and listen to this, this, this quote, which is typical. This is a, this is a, a, a world-loving, lost man, and here's what he puts in his book. I know what is moral. It's what, it's what you feel good about after you do it. And I know what is bad. It's what I feel bad about after I do it. No, that, that's not true at all. 
Uh, see, that, that's, that's going with your feelings. I will tell you this. There's a lot of things I did in life that I felt really good about after it was over, and it was sin. I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I thought, man, that was a blast. I, 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 that was actually a good weekend. I felt real good about it. Let's do that again. But it was wrong. So our feelings are terrible guides. Our flesh is a terrible guide. And so what's happening now is Isaac is now leaving, leaning on the physical and, and his physical senses. He's not leaning on the spiritual. He's not having any spiritual discernment. It's just whatever his flesh says, that's what he's doing. Anybody ever done that? How'd that turn out? Not not very good, is it? It, it, it doesn't turn out very good. So no wonder when you live by flesh and not by the Spirit, no wonder the family is in the shape that it's in. No, It all flows from him. And it starts with what? Look at his wife in verse 5. She starts her deception in 5 through 17. A man like this probably does have a wife who is deceptive. That's what he's produced. So you see in 5, now Rebekah was listening. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare me delicious food um, that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. That's what she heard. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. She's working a plan now. Go to the flock, bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare them uh, uh, delicious food for your father, such as he, underline this. Hey, let me prepare your, one of your daddy's favorite meals that he loves. But I tell you, if you want to get to Isaac, you give, bring him food. Okay? Uh, I've been there. So uh, so she's, she's working this plan, and, uh, and she said, You shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. And then Jacob, you know, he says, Hey, wait a minute. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall uh, seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself, not a blessing. And then his mother says to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Underline that. Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and bring them to me. Okay, this is important. So he went and he took them and he brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, uh, which were with her in the house, and she put them on Jacob her younger son. All right. Here, here's what, everybody, if you've got something to write with or you can type it into your phone, I want you to type this in. We're going to talk about what faith is. Okay? Faith is living without scheming. I have faith in God it's going to happen. I don't have to develop some scheme to make it happen. Amen? So faith is living without scheming. Faith means obeying God no matter how we feel, what we think, or what we think might happen. I'm in. Not I'm in, but I'm kind, unless I'm in. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. It doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter how I think it might turn out. 
if God says this is what I do, I do it. And I don't. And, and if and if God says He's going to accomplish something, I have faith that He will. He doesn't need me to come up with a scheme to see if I can't help Him. Remember, and I've had to say this too many times, counseling men too many times when I hear the ridiculous idea they've come up with, and how somehow this is going to be God's plan. And you know what I say? Where do we get off thinking that any time God's plan would include you committing sin? He wants you to sin so you can be in his will. Think about how ridiculous that is if you really look at it. Oh, so you're supposed to leave your wife and be with this girl? So that's what God wants. Well, you know, I, you know, I just think maybe that's what God really wants. I mean, I'm with the wrong woman. Okay, so God wants you to commit the sin of adultery and the sin of a no-fault divorce so you can be in his perfect will. That's what you think. You see how stupid that is? All that is is that's what I want to do, so I'm going to pretend like that's what God would want me to do. He'll never call us to commit sin in order to get to be in his will. The obedience of faith was the secret of Abraham's life. Uh, this is talked about quite a bit in what, what many have called, and, I, and I'm going along with what they say, uh, the, the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11 Find out everything that Hebrews 11 says about uh, Abraham's faith. Verse 8 would tell you that. The obedience of faith was the secret of Abraham's life, but the absence of obedient faith brought trouble to the home of Isaac and Rebekah. It's actually the opposite. Faith has left this, this house. So what, what does Rebekah... Now remember, who teaches Rebekah to be this kind of woman? Her husband. Remember, I've talked to you about that a lot. What sins are we teaching our wives to love? You know, we see this throughout Scripture. Ananias, that was a biggie. And, and Acts 5, it, that cost his wife her life because he taught her to deceive and try to fool the church on what they were giving. God killed both of them, not just one of them. So, so, you, so number one, she's eavesdropping. Why in the world does Rebecca have to eavesdrop on her husband to find out what's going on? Why are they not communicating? Why is Rebecca simply not going in to her husband and saying, hey, you know, God said that Jacob will receive the blessing, and, and, and so we need to talk about this. I know you like Esau. You know, he's a man's man, you know, and he's our son. I certainly understand that. But husband, as my wife does me, being his perfect helper, as they're called to be at creation, I have to help you with this. You're drifting. God said it's Jacob. So Jacob's going to receive this blessing, and I think the plan you're working right now is a mistake. Do y'all have wives like that? I do. I can't tell you the number of times my wife has pulled me inside and said, you're on the wrong track, or don't trust this person. Just want to give you a heads up. I got a bad feeling about this person. And the times I've listened was a blessing, and the times that I disregarded her instruction, I regretted it. Now, have there been times that I've come back and said, I need to correct you? Rare, but yes. You know, that, that's the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to be communicating and saying that this, the, so they're not. She knows God has said Jacob was the chosen to receive the covenant blessing, but she takes matters into her own hands and why she just simply didn't go talk to her husband about it and remind him of what God said, 
I don't know why she decided she thought she had to deceive her husband. Why do you think that is? I don't really know. What was it that said, well, I'll tell you one thing, I'm going to have to deceive him to get this done? Something in the way he lived made her think that was the only way to get it done. I think she thought he would just be so disobedient. She was maybe thinking her deception would save him from doing, from being disobedient. I don't know. But she certainly is, feels like she has to scheme. Now, if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, go over to James real quick. Boy, our brother James really talks about this deception thing uh, in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Make a note out to the side. You need to go back and read this. Okay. We also have a study. We studied the book of James in this very Bible study. If you want to go back and look at those archives or listen to those as well. Listen to what James says. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but listen, it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. This attitude doesn't come from heaven, James says. It comes from the devil. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. I'm going to say that again. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So how do I know if it's coming from heaven or from the devil? Well, if it features jealousy and selfish ambition, that's not from above. But if it is, if, if it is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, it's impartial and it's sincere, it's from heaven. Look at 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James says this is not happening in this particular situation, so this is not of God. Isaac is depending on his physical senses, and Rebekah has wisdom from the world, not from above. So likely, uh, if, if, if you look and you see the way she's got everything ready to go, it is very, very likely she's had this plan for a while now. She's ready for her moment. She's already got the meal, thinking what she's going to cook. Uh, she she has, uh, I mean, when you got the recipe ready to go, you've been thinking about it, okay? So now you get into the vows, which takes place, and, and look at uh, 11 through 17. We see that Jacob, this is a problem now. Everybody listen, this is big again. What was Jacob's only concern? Not that he's deceiving his father, not that he's blaspheming God. What he's saying is, I may get in trouble. I might get in trouble. I mean, if this doesn't work, Mom, Dad's going to be furious. That was his only concern. He Not his concern, hey, we're trying to undermine God. Uh, God said he was going to give me the blessing anyway. Let's just have faith. God's going to work it out. He's just saying, well, now look, I'll do this, but I don't want to get in trouble. He's not concerned about whether it's right or not. You know what he wants to know? Is it safe? Did you hear me again? He's not concerned about whether it's right 
He's concerned about whether it's safe. That's not what drives us. What drives us is, is it right? Should we be doing this? Not, well, yeah, I guess we can do it, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be very safe. No, that's not our reasoning at all. Uh, Warren, again, uh, Wearsby, who I use mainly for this today, he said, Jacob is reaching for the 11th commandment, thou shalt not get caught. (laughs) I thought that was a great word. All right, now look at verse 13. This is a biggie. Let's Let's all right now look down. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. Look at me. Be real careful with this now. She's acting like this devoted mother, but she pays for this. She pays for this. You want me to look ahead in the story, tell you the end of the movie? This really happened. This causes so much trouble, she has to tell him to go to Haran to be safe. She never sees him again. She's about to lose Jacob. She gets her way, but it cost her. See, sin always matters, doesn't it? How many times have you heard me say that? It always matters. She'll never see Jacob again on this side of heaven. Because why? Because Esau wants to kill him. So her little plan, her favorite son, she picked favorites. You know what God did? I'll take the favorite from you. On this side of heaven, you won't see him again after this little move. I was going to do this all along. I didn't really need y'all's help. And I'm going to still do what I said I was going to do, but there's going to be problems with all this because you try to do it your way. Make that important note. So the curse that she's screaming about and, and, and picking a favorite of her children, God took the favorite away. She never got to see him again. So then you go to the philosophy of the two. Isaac's philosophy, if it feels good, do it. Rebecca's philosophy, the end justifies the means. She couldn't trust God to fulfill his plan. She had to help him. But remember this. There is no place for deception in the life of the redeemed. I'm going to say that again. There is no place for for deception in the life of the redeemed. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says Satan is the deceiver. Write that down if you need it, 2 Corinthians 11.3. John 14.6 says Jesus is the truth. Psalms 32.2, which I've underlined today, blessed is the man in whose spirit there is no deceit. Man. Blessed is the man in whose spirit is no deceit. Write this down again if you want to keep it. Psalms 32, 2. So now Jacob is, is going to kind of look at his defense in verses 18 through 29. Verses 18 through 29. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Hmm. Let's continue to read on. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Oh, wow. 
Underline that one. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, Isaac his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. So look at 26. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. What is the old te- what is the whole who who is the whole Bible about? Jesus. Look at 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and he kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, and he blessed him, and we'll get to the blessing here in a minute. So let's look at what Jacob did. He lied about his name. You know, there's a problem. You know, Isaac's not stupid. He's like, man, you you, you really got the game pretty quick. That seems a little quick for you going out and hunting then cleaning it, dressing it out, preparing it, and bringing it to me. I just don't see how you did that so quick. Now, you know that, that Mama had, had already got the, you know, the young goat skins and put it on his hands up there in 16, uh, and she'd also put Esau's you know, clothes on Jacob back up there in 15. She put the delicious food and the bread, which she'd prepared, into her son Jacob's hand. So she's got her plan. And, and she's ready for the, the fact that Isaac's going to have some questions. He said his voice didn't sound like Esau. So he lied about the fact that he was, he was not Esau. He lied about the voice being uh, that of Esau. He lied about how he got the food. He's calling goat meat his game. But there, that, that's not it. Then he doubles down and lied about the food and where it came from and then he says that the Lord God had made it happen. Now he's blaspheming God. He's bringing God. Well, I'll tell you how it happened. The Lord blessed me. That's how I got it so fast. So now he's bringing God into it. The Lord helped me find it quickly. That's blasphemy to bring God into it. Then on 21 through 27, what? He lied again about his identity. And then the one that hurts the most, he lies about his love. He goes in and kisses his daddy like he loves him. And the whole time he's deceiving him. Jacob keeps deceiving him, assuring him that he's Esau. He kisses him claiming to love. What about this? Go all the way to Judas in the foreshadowing. He claims to love the very one that he's deceiving. Claiming to love the very one you're deceiving. If you're deceiving someone, you don't really love them. This is hypocritical, best case scenario. The smell closes the deal, and then... Here comes Daddy and says, well, I smell you, and you smell like Esau. So here comes the blessing. What was the blessing? See the smell of my son, 
is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. That's going to go over great. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So what's in the blessing? Well, there's a natural material blessing. You see that. I want the land to be blessed. I want it to produce, and I want you to have uh, wealth. Uh, He also added some political authority. I want you to have um, um, authority over your mother's sons in the nation. This is referencing to his own people, but also other nations. Uh, He also looked beyond Jacob's day in the blessing to the time uh, of the expansion of Abraham's seed being multiplied. He assured him not only of God's blessing, but also for God's protection. Uh, And he he quoted the Lord's original promise to Abraham, which we saw in chapter 12, verse 3. So the deed was done. Isaac, you have to understand, the blessing was everything. I don't know if you've ever seen Tony Evans teach on this. He's got a great... Uh, the the uh, documentary that they did, I can't remember the name of it now, but anyway, uh, the the blessing is everything, uh, and and once these fathers handed off these blessings that God told them to do, they were they were speaking and God was working through them. There's no revoking this blessing. Nobody can revoke it. Uh, n- nobody after him, nothing. Nobody can revoke it. So now Esau shows up. How you think this is going to go? You may be very familiar with this, but it doesn't go well. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Notice he played the firstborn card. Then Isaac trembled, underline this, then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me and I ate it before you came and I have blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. And as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, "It is not is, is he not rightly named Jacob, which means to deceive? For he cheated me these two times now. Of course, Esau's not taking any responsibility. We'll get to this. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you and all his brothers. I have given uh, to him for servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even so also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice, and he wept. And then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword shall you live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. 
Why was Isaac trembling so violently? If you if you look uh, at the the original Hebrew here, it really says that he he trembled a trembling uh, unto excess. I mean, this is not a mild reaction when he finds out that he's been deceived. Why why was that? So we know that God said that this blessing was going to to Jacob. He doesn't intervene to stop it because this is what God God didn't plan it this way. But God said that that ultimately. Jacob was going to get the blessing. You guys have really let this fall back. I'm not. You can't stop me from doing what I said I'm going to do. And the reason why Isaac is so bitter and so angry and is, I mean, he's furious. Think about the Hebrew word. He trembled a trembling. So this is not mild. You know why? You ever been here, if you're being honest? You know what he's upset about? He knew the Lord had overruled his own selfish plan. He wanted to give it to his favorite son. He did not receive the blessing, and that's who he wanted to receive it. Isaac had told some lies himself, as we know, but now his own lies had caught up with him. He had been deceitful, and now one of his boys was deceitful to him. And he's furious. Have you ever not liked God's plan for your life so much that you're furious about it? This is not what I wanted to do for you. I didn't want to go through what I've been through. This is not the way I wanted to do it. And I don't have faith enough in you to know that what you're doing is right. I'm furious about it. Think about it. Go back to people. This is not new. I mean, go back to Jonah. We leave the book. We leave the book of Jonah. He's still not happy. He's still mad about it. I mean that that chapter ends and Jonah is. He did what God said to do, and Nineveh repented, and he's furious about it. He ends the book sitting there mad. Now he did what God told him to do eventually, but he didn't like it. And this is what you have right now. With Isaac, you know what this tells God. So you've never been you you've never really been with me on this. Jacob's going to get the blessing thing. You you think I picked the wrong one? That's not the one you would have picked. Now I wonder if you noticed the son that you love marries heathens and has hated his birthright and rejected me. Has that bothered you at all, Isaac? You didn't see that maybe that this wasn't the guy to go with. What about how stupid we look when we think we have better plans than God? And Esau wept in verses 34 through 40. He begged for a blessing. The very one who despised his birthright and married two pagan women now wept and cried for his father to blessing. You know why? And what did he say? It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's my brother's fault. How many times do we do this? How much easier is it to blame somebody else instead of just blaming yourself? feels better when you say it wasn't your fault, doesn't it? Are you one of those kind of people? You ever been around people it's never never their fault? Never. And and they can't seem to understand that all the things that keep happening are, are variables, and they're the only constant. This is the person that's been married seven times, and they don't know it's them. This is the person who can't hold a job. Every boss is against them. Every teacher is against them in school. They're always being wronged. Somehow, some kind of supernatural way, this wonderful human being keeps meeting all these unfair people. Does it ever dawn on them that it's them? 
I saw a comedian say that. It was very, he was making a joke. It was very funny. He said, I, my, my parents moved around a lot. He goes, I went to the first high school. I thought everybody, I hated everybody there. They were all a bunch of, he, you know, he said, terrible people. Then I went to another school, and I found out those people were awful. Then I went to the third school, and I realized, that they, wait a minute, I think it's me. You know, and, and, and because he was the only constant. And, and so in Esau's life, he's been the problem, but he doesn't think he's the problem. He thinks that Jacob's always been the problem, but what he doesn't understand is it's his own character that allows him to keep being deceived. He didn't see it. It's always easier to blame other people. Here's another one. This one also, and I'm going to give credit to, to Wearsby again. This is another great line he had. Ooh, this is good. You ready? Here's a write-down. We may forget our decisions, but our decisions never forget us. Now, we may forget them, but those decisions don't ever forget you. You remember, and, I, and somebody just said, they, they quote this in their men's ministry all the time. They're doing the, the manchurch.com, and they heard, um, who used to be a member of this Bible study, Bill Searcy, who's now gone on to glory. And Bill, like a lot of us, lived a life that required much, uh, required a gracious God. And Bill had done some horrible things throughout his life. And he said as every time somebody would try to help him before he was redeemed, that's where his help finally came. He said, I would go to these people, and they'd always want me to change my game plan. You remember what he said? And he said they kept trying to move me. They'd say, Billy, you got to get away from these people that keep giving you drugs. Billy, you got to get away from these people that keep getting you in criminal situations. Billy, you got to get away from these people. Why don't you move? Start new here. Start new there. You know what Billy said? And this is what we all got to realize. Billy said, I finally realized, and I looked at one of them, and I said, but everywhere I go, there I am. I'm the problem. Everywhere I go, there I am. And this is something that Esau has not come to realization about yet. We may forget our decisions, but our decisions don't forget us. Isaac's blessing for Esau, away from the blessing of the land. He would have to leave. He would live by the sword. You know, he produced the Edomites. That's his descendants, and they would be enemies of Israel, and they would constantly be a thorn in Israel's side, and they all came from Esau. Verses 40 through 45, or 41 through 45. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. He knows he's about to die. And as soon as my father dies, then I will kill Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. Rebekah's always got an ear on the ground, doesn't you? Okay. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise free to Laban. Anybody know what's going to happen on that one? Jacob can get a, ta- a little dose of his own medicine from Laban. Uh, flee to Laban, uh, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I uh, uh, lose both of you in one day? So what she's thinking here on that line, she must think that Esau's going to kill you and then God's going to kill Esau. 
for doing it. I'll lose both of you. So I'm on. You got to go and let let his anger calm down. And um, but but here's the problem. Esau's attitude. Let's get to his first. And you've seen this. We see these kind of crimes happen all the time, involving marriages, involving obsessions, money, whatever it is. You know what Esau's attitude is? If I can't have it, you can't have it either. You, you, you're you not going to get this blessing. It might have been taken from me, but I'm going to kill you. How many times have you seen people get killed because, you know, somebody took them away from, you know, somebody that supposedly loved them, and that person said, if I can't have them, nobody can have them? You know, that, this happens quite a bit, sadly. Well, that was Esau's attitude. I'll tell you what, I may have lost the blessing, but you ain't going to get it. Vengeance. And it said it's the only thing that comforted him. I like. Have you noticed that? Have you ever been to that place that the only comfort you can find is you hope somebody who did you wrong pays for it? And that's what gives you comfort. You look forward to that day. But then you have to remember that what if God had that attitude about us? What if God had the attitude of the things you've done to me, I'm going to pay you back for? As opposed to going to the cross and putting that punishment on himself. Esau sought to kill Jacob, and uh, as you've heard before, inside the way that you know the way the world works. And I used to be this man. Full full confession, I was very much like Esau, in a lot of ways. And one of them was this, you know. And I took it's it's the world. It's a slogan from the world, and I lived by it. If somebody wronged me, you know what I would say? Oh, I'm not gonna get mad. I'm gonna get even. You ever been that guy? And I would, I would get even. If you if you wronged me, I, my deal was I'm gonna get you tenfold. You'll regret ever coming against me. I'll make your life miserable, and you wish you had never wronged me. That's the way I used to live. I don't have that anymore because God has changed me. I've found that maybe forgiveness and reconciliation sure does bring peace quicker than vengeance does. Rebecca knew what was happening. Happening, like I say, she's always got an ear to the ground. She sends him to Haran saying, uh, why lose both of you in one day? I told you why she said that. But you know what? And what's she saying? It'll be okay. I know that I, I, I put together this deception. I've got you in on it. We got the blessing from Daddy. I'll go in here and sweet talk him. Esau's going to get calmed down, okay, and then you can come back. She never sees him again. This is the last time she ever sees him. She clung so much and made a favor to Jacob. And Jacob was more important to her than God. And God took him took him away. She never saw him again. She's trying to uh, to work her own plan, but it ends up costing her here on earth. Forty six. Now she's starting to try to get back in good with Isaac. Then Rebecca said to Isaac, "You ever been in trouble and go in and change the subject and try to get on something that you both can agree on?" She said, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. The first thing she says is, you know, Esau's wives, they're nothing but trouble. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like this one, then what good will my life be to me? She goes in and basically says to her husband, we got to make sure that Jacob doesn't do what Esau did. And then 28 will pick up right there when we come back let's pray 
Lord, what a day and what a message, and there's so much to take away. Very convicting. May we all take it and apply it to ourselves today. Lord, thank you for the things that you have taught me. Thank you for the deliverance that only you can provide for me. Forgive me, Lord, for my Esau attitude that was so much of my life before you. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for reconciling me. And thank you for continuing to make me into something that I was not. And I know you offer that power to any today that will repent of their sins and maybe take the things you told us today and apply them and and take some of the things today that as individuals in the room and all over the country and even around the world and look at these items and see which ones we need to correct. And, Lord, I know if we come to you with a broken heart and say we confess of this sin, you'll forgive us. In your name we pray. Amen. If I can help you in any way, let me know. Rick at BurgessMinistries.com. Thanks for being with us.